Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Susan, I'm so glad you came to visit. It's been too long. Isn't that the truth? This is the first time I've seen your new home at the Good Samaritan Society. I hope you're staying entertained now that life has slowed down. Slowed down? I've been more active here than I've been in years. Come on now. We're late for aerobics class. Aerobics? I thought we were having coffee. That's after aerobics and cards with the girls. Oh, and I scheduled a hair appointment for us at 3 and dinner's at 5. Betty, slow down. I don't know if I have the energy to do all this. I had no idea you were staying so active. That's what I love about this place. I can be as active as I want to be, and that means I'm staying busy. I can see that. To learn how the Good Samaritan Society can help you enjoy life on your terms, visit us today at good-sam.com or call 855-GOOD-SAM. That's good-sam.com or call 855-GOOD-SAM. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. A star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. It is one of my, quote 
closest friends, heroes, mentors. Why don't I have headphones? You want mine? No. That's my name. Um, and the funniest. I, I mean, beyond. Well, I, I don't know about Oh, shut that. the fuck up. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only. Susie Essman! <laughs> and how many people have been writing when are you going to have Susie Essman on? So you have a good following? Yeah. Good. Duh. Tell your friends about it, guys. Can Tell you make friends. money doing this? No. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you could if you were like Mark Marin, and then you had to pay to subscribe and then, right? What's the but, whole... But he, he built that after a long time. Sure he did, yeah. And uh, like people like... Keith and the girl, they have a subscription thing, too. But they also release uh, 10 episodes to listen to for free, or I think 30 now. But now, Hennessy, so nobody calls you Lauren? It has to be Hennessy? Oh, people call me Lauren, but I got a lot of other friends named Lauren, so my friends started calling me Hennessy. Hennessy. Also, for some reason, it's easier in people's head to get the male pronoun thing if they call me Hennessy. So you only want to be called he, not she. I mean, that's correct, but I understand what I look like. Right. You look like uh, a girl. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty girl, but it yeah, mm. hot and pretty. Stop but it. but in you your head, in your head, I'm just trying to. Understand, but in your head, always you've been a boy since you were a little kid. And not in my head. I, I didn't know I wasn't a boy until someone told me that I, I wasn't. See. Pretty uh-huh. much. So I didn't develop the way a, a lot of us develop as our gender. A lot of us get stuck in the middle, and those are called intersexed. And they're, you know, peepees don't match everyone else's. And uh, a lot of us either transition full into male when we're girls. Or we stay female as we first start developing right. when we're but boys. You don't, but so you don't consider yourself a lesbian? No, I'm not a lesbian. Although, if you want to get technical about it, I am a homosexual because my sex, uh, I, t- I happen to like girls. I don't right. identify as gay. I identify as straight. Uh-huh. Because I happen to like girls. Um, I haven't liked guys yet. But, I know, happen but... to like New York. You know that song? <laughs> <laughs> I happen to like girls. So my sex is Vaginas. Homo. Uh-huh. Homo okay. Strange. I happen to like the vagina. Just and the can I just Can I just make get a whatever you suggestion? Want, Don't get the surgery. Oh, God. Will you be on my podcast when yeah, I have sure. it? Sure. Okay. Sure. I don't think so either. Uh, really? Yeah. I just, I you think go back it's and so forth. extreme. Well, because it's, I only go back and forth because I know you're just doing it because of other people. But not and also, Hennessy, Hennessy. But the other thing no, is, everybody think... does it to be identified as who they are. Yes, but but Good, if you know please. who you are, what difference yeah, does it, it make? Matter. And a the penis does who... not make a man. I know that. I know that because you know? I don't have one. Oh man, baby! Yeah, yeah. I, I say oh, that man, all the a time. penis struggle make a man. I know uh, many a man with a penis who's not a man. So that's the thing. Do I right. live with this knowledge? This is where I'm grappling. Okay, do I live with this knowledge of uh, a penis does not make a man? I am who I am. Some boys are born looking like this uh, and looking like you guys, and some girls are born looking like Seth. You know. But um, hey. then I live my life being... <laughs> You're a girl born looking like Seth. I, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so if, if, if I am to choose to live in this body, I am choosing to live misidentified for the rest of my life. So it's more of a personal comfort thing. Correct. However, and are also, you misidentified? This is this is an issue that I, that I, I think is really interesting. Are you misidentified, or is this who you are? I am misidentified is, in the same way women are misidentified, just because of the way they look. Probably, you know what I mean. Right. right but, so but I my identify point is, with women. My a point lot. is, you're not really misidentified. This is who you are. You have female genitalia, right? Yeah, but, that I have but, no connection to whatsoever. Right. But you're this. But you're this person. 
Yes. So uh, exactly. that's who you this are. This is right. my body. This is right. my exactly. male body. Right. Exactly. But in order for me to live comfortably as myself, as a dude, as myself, okay, in my own skin, I would have to transition in some sort of way that I could pass as who I am. I mean, it's a daily question of whether or not to use mm-hmm. the girls' restroom or the men's restroom. Right, right, It's not right, me right. who's gendering everything No, no, in this I understand. World. I understand. It's everyone else. I understand. You know? It's changing so do I a little bit, com- yeah. A little. Yeah. Do I live comfortably? Because this will not change in my lifetime. Could People you imagine if she was also me. a Jew? Hey, hey, I am. I just got my DNA Thirty percent, not that uh, much. Everyone hates what, us. Not that much. Uh, you can't say. Why it. does everybody want to be a part of our tribe that oh, everybody hates? I love you. First of all, <laughs> I look at who I'm sitting in the between. This Can is I like just a wet say dream. Something. Yes, darling. You know, Bernie Sanders is a very nice man. Yes. Okay. The fact that America, who and there are numerous anti-Semites in America. Yes. Would pick a socialist Jew over a woman who was overly prepared for this job. And a Methodist. And a Methodist. And who is the most qualified in over 100 years. You don't have to have dinner with her. You can think she's witchy or bitchy. Or, but she's, she, she's the most qualified of all the candidates. Right. That's, it's obvious. But it's the obvious. fact. Well, but the interesting thing is, you know, my housekeeper um, upstate who's an evangelical, by the way, and has a very hard time understanding uh, that Jimmy and I are such nice people because we're not religious at all. Right, right. She doesn't doesn't get how we could be so kind and generous and nice and treat her so well when – you know, because I'm an atheist. We're not, I'm not right. religious at all. She that doesn't. She doesn't understand that that you know we all have a moral compass right. in our DNA. Um, but her daughter, who has never voted, who's probably in her early 30s, oh, that's terrible. Never voted, never been political. All of a sudden, is excited about Bernie Sanders. He's he's touching something in this young demographic that's really really interesting. Right. You know, they don't get the feminist side. They don't get what we had to go through right. and what Hillary had to go through and what Madeleine Albright and Gloria had right, to go right, through. Of course. It, it's, it, it's lost on them. And I understand that, you know, just in the way that we don't get the full anti-Semitism that our parents had to right. deal with because of assimilation. But do you think that because I believe in 10 or 15 years, those women will understand. Yes, they will. Because they have not Absolutely. lived in this. And the sexism is still existing and it's still rampant. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's why often I, I compare the, the trans and female movement. My only objection to the trans thing, though, the, is it's dangerous. Operations are dangerous. Amen. Shit can go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, even taking hormones is, is can oh, really screw very, you up emotionally. Yeah. Or level you out. It can level you out, but, it, you know, it's just... I I just I just think that there's too much risk involved that there's worries me. There's a lot of me. risk involved. I mean, but however, people get operations to change their look all the time. Just I understand. Because they want to feel better <laughs> about themselves. But if you if you if you can feel good about yourself and not do it, I would go that direction. Well, I'm not there. Okay, I haven't been there for 31 okay. years. Then well, do what then, you need to do. Yeah. I don't know though, man. It's like this. Oh my god! Don't do it lightly. No shit. And this is conversations like this and and being able to identify with women and as a woman as this with this experience is very powerful and special uh, to me. You know, we do have the best of both worlds. here. Yeah. And and one of the things and and I think this is a very valid argument about um, men transitioning to women. And it's what Judy and I are talking about. They don't get 
No, it's right. not that they don't get that they have been empowered as men for all these years. Like that Some, fucking Caitlyn. Yeah, a lot of them exactly. do get it. Right. A you, lot of them do get it. Uh, Caitlyn doesn't because she's been in a bubble. Well, yes. No, but there are a lot, even... Even um, he doesn't know what it would have been like if he was a female athlete in the Olympics all those years. And also, she doesn't. Kate, Katie tour. Do you know Katie tour is? Yeah. Katie tour, who is a uh, on MSNBC. She's following. I think she. Yeah. 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 So her father uh, and mother were both journalists. They were the ones who who found OJ's car in a helicopter. And they have you been watching that show, by the way? No. Is it good? It's really good. I got to watch it. Yeah. So he transitioned to a woman and Uh he was like, and his. She did. I'm just saying she because that's the correct pronoun. Okay. She transitioned, the father transitioned and is now a female. And her stance on political, like, you know, women can't, like, she thinks women shouldn't have to, you know, they can't make these snap decisions and, you know, these... I don't understand what you're saying, darling. She was a pilot and was very... Oh, 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 okay, yeah. She says... That women women aren't capable of that? completely Mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. They think better. They think about consequences. So in those sort of... um, Well, here's my take on that. My Mm -hmm. take on that is, yes, I do believe women and men have different brains. Yes, and that's that's what I don't have. I don't have the good part of being a chick, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's in the DNA from hunter-gatherer. I think the man was the hunt. Hunt, hunt. Judy, put that the fuck down. I want to read something to you. Okay. Uh, The the man was hunt, 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 focus, focus, one thing, one thing. Get the the, uh, uh, elk or whatever the hell it was. The women, they're gathering. They got the baby on the hip, the baby on the breast, the other toddler running around. They take Making berries, having conversation with their friends. They're multitasking. It's in the DNA. Women have been forced to evolve. They've been forced to evolve. Correct. And I think that they have evolved past past men. Whereas men are simple. Mm-hmm. Women are complex. Okay, so there okay. you go. So you take that male brain. All right, I can put hear. It in I'm going to say... I was always a boy. Like, I never wanted to do girl things. No, but I you do. have a woman's brain. You right. do. You do. And I have to say, like, I never wanted to play with dolls. I never. But you know what, Judy? Boy. Part of that. Now, I was always a girly girl. Right. And I never wanted to play house and all that crap right. and wedding. Not because I, I wanted to be a boy, but because it was like, ugh, it looked horrible to me. I want a marriage like my mother and father. Right. I, you know what I really hated? <laughs> I and, and also, I was, I was playing. I had a little reel-to-reel tape recorder. I was playing Johnny Carson. Right. But I'm the talk show right. host. So it wasn't just. Just boy girl mm-hmm. it was married mother sure. as opposed to career life but your mother was you know a um uh, uh she worked part-time she wasn't she never actualized herself my I used mother to hate, never actually. I used to hate either. when I was a kid. No. I used to watch I Love Lucy, and I fucking hated it because it would annoy me so much that Lucy would have to ask Ricky to buy a hat. Right. You know, it's mm. like go buy your own fucking hat. Right. What do you have to go through? Ever a whole machination for an entire episode because you want a freaking right. hat? And I was like, why does my brother get to mow the lawn? I want to fucking mow the lawn. Right. I <sighs> want to fucking shovel the snow. I want to play bat. I want to do. What boys do. But then when I, I was pregnant and breastfeed it, when I became a mother, I was, I have, the only time my hormones, ha- and I've ever felt like a normal person where people are normal and they're not anxious, you know, like, 
uh, was when I was pregnant and breastfeeding. That's wow. interesting because that's hormonal. Right. Yeah. And I... So maybe you should be taking the pill. Estrogen. I do. Okay. So, but I don't think that... But again, I don't think the normal, not normal, I don't want to use the word abnormal, has to do with with your gender uh, no. or your sexuality. I no. think it has to do with comic brain. Because I don't know any comic that I know that ever felt normal. We're right. all misfits. Yeah. You're all mentally ill. We're all, uh, we're we are. All, we're all, <laughs> we all see things in some skewed, weird fucking right. way. That's, That's what I try you. to tell people. It's like, I can say things to another comic that I could never. Well, I mean, even after the most disastrous, horrible event in history. Yeah. You think of a joke. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And then it's, it's too soon and it's too this and this. The death, the, right. the, the whatever. Um, so, but you grew up in in a very, you know, they're intellectuals, your yeah. parents. Yeah. Your father was an oncologist. Right. Your mother taught Russian. Right. Zora. Yeah. And all of your siblings are successful. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. And what is, how do we define success? Well, you know, they are, uh, they're not in jail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you became a stand up. Right. Later. Like you were, you weren't, you started in your late 20s, early 30s. I started yeah, yeah. 28. Um, which is kind of. Wow. But I was lost before that. I right. wasn't doing anything. Right. I was a waitress. I was a drug dealer. Right. You were? I, yeah, yeah. What? I was a Coke dealer. And you pot. were? Coke in the pot. Yeah. Did you do the Coke? No, no. Which is what one of the reasons why I became the dealer is my, my right. boyfriend was the dealer, right. but he couldn't handle it because right. he would do it. And right. I hated it because right. I don't need something to make me anxious. Right, right. I do a very good job by right. myself. You know, I like a more tranquilizing right, exactly. drug. Like the pot. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, but that's what I, I had. He set me up. At, like It's like setting the wifey up in business. He set me up in business. Nice. But it was the 80s. It was different. Did then. you? And, did and did your parents? Yeah. Did your parents know? No, of course not. What'd you tell them? Well, I was waitressing also. Oh, all right. Susie's making a lot of money waitressing. (laughs) Wasn't even, I wasn't like a big drug dealer. Right, right, right. You know, it's just like enough money to go out to eat, take cabs. Right. A few of your friends knew. So. Yeah. And it was just, I I didn't, it's like I wasn't a street dealer. I had my clients, like Wall Street guys. Right, right. You know, here, I was cute in those days, you know. You still are very cute. I was was 20, you know, four, five, and I was. He's Where just, were you living? Uh, I was living um, on in, uh, on the Upper West Side. I know you. Yeah. Are, you're like me with the Upper yeah. West Side. I've been living on the Upper West Side since 1980. Oh, and when I me. when I lived because yeah. you're younger than me. Yeah. When I first moved in, it was not a it was oh, dangerous because I lived on Amsterdam and 73rd, and that was Needle Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you couldn't walk up Amsterdam in those days. It I was, was so, on Amsterdam and 81st. It was, it was so, so dark. I know. It was so dark. And I liked it, though. I kind of liked those days when right. it was dark and dirty. But, there, and, and, but the greatest thing about those days, their Upper West Side was all artists, writers, right. intellectuals that could afford apartments. Correct. Who could live there. Who could I had go- a fourth floor walk up on West 73rd Street, 300 bucks a month. Nice. What? Yeah. I shared a brown ba- basement of a brownstone with an opera singer. Oh, no. Uh, Sam Bird. And he used to go on the road all the time. And he had a baby grand piano. Would you uh, warm up with him on the piano? Would he do warm ups with you? Uh, And he was always gone. I loved it. But uh, 
$800 or $700 yeah. or $600. I don't remember. Yeah. And I had my own room. I had a backyard. Yeah. His cat used to give me pigeons. I'm in the Fabletics VIP program. I just spent my first month there, got my first outfit. They just sent me an email showing me all the new stuff they got in. I'm really, really stoked about it. I can't wait to wear it out, man. It's starting to get warm outside. I'm really excited for spring. Um, the, the Under Armour they sent me helped me get through the, the rest of the winter on my bike. This stuff is top quality, stylish activewear for every woman. And you got to check out their FL2 uh, site, which is on fabletics.com slash Judy, and that is their men's site, which is what I've been going to. Uh, it's the same great quality as your favorite luxury brands at half the price, at least half the price. It's workout gear for women, men on the go, exclusive styles, outfits released monthly. It's quick and easy, and you'll get a complete outfit for just 25 bucks with free shipping and exchanges. There's really nothing to lose. Try it just for the outfit at least once, one month. You'll love it. I can't believe how inexpensive and how cool looking the stuff is. I know. Like some of the stuff I was like, oh, I could just wear that as a shirt. And Kate Hudson. She's I know. Awesome. She's so cool. I love her. I love her mother. Oh, I love her mother. I know. Private Benjamin. God damn it. Uh, overboard. Okay, why can't I just have a movie with a Jew? Oh, you you can. All right. Okay. She was really good in Private Benjamin. Athletics.com slash Judy. I was actually walking up that block the other day, and it used to be P&G's bar was on the corner, right, and then right. Vinny's Pizza, right. and now it's like some cupcake store. What the fuck with the cupcake store? It's <laughs> all these the stores with Melissa? cupcakes. The Bake by Melissa, with and the they're fucking the size of a dime, and I people know. are like, we're going to get baked. I'm like, it's a, what, the, what the fuck? I'm get an Entenmann's. to the next recording, and you will see. What? Baked by Melissa. No, I've I don't had care. baked by Melissa. Just I don't I, care. I, I need Hennessy. a portion. So, but but there, <sighs> there's no now. There's like Salomeria, Rossi. Yeah. It's all like such high end. I know. And all the mom and pops are gone. It's awful. It's very disturbing. It's really horrible. I, thank God for Peter's pharmacy. I <laughs> he's on the corner, Peter. Oh, I know that is yes. Yeah, and so like by you. Yeah, and I call him, and if I'm going on the road, he's like, you know. Here I'll give you, um, I'll give you like you know whatever you need for the, your right, trip. Right. But literally, I call. I go, hi, I want to refill a prescription. They're like, hi, Judy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can't ever get like now. But it's like, I- but okay. But th- now here's another issue. Apropos of what we're talking about, we're talking about a certain feeling of when it that it was a better. It was better in those days, in a sense, even though it was. It, that's when HIV first right, hit. Right, it was awful. And that's when it was right. the crack epidemic. And, this, and also, this whole idea of the good old days, it was never the good old days if you were a woman. It's so much better right. now if you're a female right. than it was in the, mm. in the good old days. Right. Unless you were a white guy. Right, white guys. Which is why they're so angry now, you know, right. which is why they're so oh, yeah. fucking angry now. Yeah, because we're waking up and power well, they, is being taken nobody away, ever wants supposedly. To, you know, nobody ever gives up power readily or happily. Right. This illusion of power is such a lie, though. Well, no, it's not, Hennessy. They they ruled the world for thousands and thousands right. of years. Yes. I understand that. I and, and they still do. You're talking a lot. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I... I <laughs> I'm just saying we're waking up to this power is actually an illusion and it's time to. This is what we're talking about. When I say, when you say something, we can't go into Hennessy land. Go. Well, there was an interesting article yesterday in the Times about why, 
why the, this group of men is so feeling like their their lives are out of control. Right. And part of it is that this whole idea that your life is not as good as your parents' life, whereas blacks and Hispanics don't feel that way right. because their lives are actually better, better in a lot of ways than their parents' lives were. Whereas these, these uneducated white guys their lives are not as good right. as their parents were. But also, and women are in much better situations. Much better. Much now, better. you started doing stand-up at, and by the way, when you were talking about how we we sort of make this, the old days seem like they were the great. I remember walking to the improv on 44th and 9th. I'd get off the subway at 42nd. It was like. Oh, God. It was awful. It was horrible. You were scared for your life. Yeah. And yeah. just on the needles, I'd yeah. walk over yeah. a needle yeah. and just do a spot at the yeah. fucking, you know, yeah. the improv. But I never worked there mm-hmm. because the first time I ever went in there, Silver was so Silver nasty run, to me. Yeah. It, yeah. And I, I, it so disturbed me that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the special place in hell that Madeline Albright is talking right, about. Right, right, right. That, you know, women not supporting women is a horrible thing. Right. It happens a lot in this business too. Yep. Yes, and men need to start supporting women. Well, Louis does. They, a lot Louis of men. Larry, you know what? Yeah, I there's a him. lot. Yeah. yeah, I I always found, and I know you'll agree with this, the good guys were always supporting women. Right. It was the mediocrities that were so threatened right, right, by us. Right. Wow. Who didn't the ones who were us. talented, yeah. they never had a problem with right. us. They were secure. Yeah, um, they were good. They recognized and they appreciated talent. Right. You know, but. Mm. Uh, I just wrote we're something not gonna on go a piece there. of paper about someone, and we're, we're not, not going to go there. there. But <laughs> inside you, jokes, when you guys I started doing stand up, yeah, um, well, I started first when I was nineteen. I was in college, and I did a show with Larry Amaros, Bill mm-hmm. Sheft, and Adrian Tolsh at Rutgers. Right, and I killed. Right, and Adrian was like, "Come to Catch a Rising Star on a Monday night." See, she was one of the women that was not supportive of me at all. And I went in. Yeah. Uh, I'd go every Monday. I'm like 18, 19 years old. Right. And of course, I didn't realize I'd be standing there till three in the morning. Right. And then go home. Uh, well, what was even worse? And I was talking about this because you and I did a documentary uh, or interview for a documentary about the Comedy Cellar. Right. I remember I had to go into the Comedy Cellar in the afternoon Right. When it was empty. Yes. And auditioned for right. Bill Grunfest, who never liked me and never right. passed me. And in an empty room right. in the middle of the afternoon, you have right. to get up on the stage oh. and do your act oh, for this one guy who's then going to say, okay, you could now put in your availability. Right. Not you, not not you not have spots. You, you, a have spot. a, you could put in your availability. It was really, really hard oh, to get stage that. time. Oh, I remember that. I remember that when you horrible. had to go sign up in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was that's, horrible. That's hell. It was, it was hell. It was hell. And, you know, I mean, how funny are you standing up in front of one person right. in an afternoon. empty room in the afternoon? Yeah, yeah, that I forgot. See, I blocked a lot of shit out of my head. Wow. And it was. And when my, you know, when. You know, I, women did. There was room for one woman, right? Mm. And we so they made us compete against one another, right? And it was so unfair. And then you see these guys that one of them gets something, they bring them all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patel. Yeah, but he does with the women too. Yeah, he's he's good. Yeah. Um, uh, wait, I really want to tell those people to shut up. I'll tell them. Can, can, yeah, because they're so effing annoying. You go, boy. Oh, thanks. Come on, sir. 
Um, uh, yeah, I just... It um, was hard, though, Judy. It was hard. You... It was really hard. You know, for two years, they wouldn't pass me a catch, either. Are you kidding? Oh, it wouldn't pass me. Wouldn't pass me. Uh, what? Thank God for the uh, comic strip. Well, Lucian was always good to me. Right, same. Um, One of the strangest men ever was. to so exist. Lucian ran the comic strip. But he would put women on. He, he, he would put women on. And he would protect women in the sense right. that he would give us protected spots. Right. He was very chivalrous in right, that way. Yes. He was a gentleman. Then there was Comedy U Grand. Yes. And they were, fantas- they were fantastic Bert, to Bert women. Is Bert alive? I believe so. Okay. Bert and Paul were fantastic to women. To women. And then Thursday night was all women night. All women night. But they would also put women back to back. You know oh, how yeah. it used to be. I'm not telling you anything. You don't know. I'm telling the audience. Right. There would be a lineup and there would be maybe 15 comics on a weeknight. Right. And it would be boy, 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 boy. And they'd put one. There'd be the woman's one, slot. Right. One woman. They wouldn't have two women in a row because they were afraid we were both going to talk about our periods right, or something. Right, 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 right. You know? And um, and and that was, but they had no problem putting boy, boy, boy in a row. Right. It was always three guys is a show, and yeah. three women is a special. It's event. a special special women's right. night. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That still happens. It does. It does. And so I won't do any shows where they're like, we're doing a lady show yeah. called, yeah. you know, hysterical, and I won't do it. <laughs> I can't really. So if people. Ask me, people ask me sometimes, like, hey, can Judy do this all women's show? Are you like against it? Um, I'm against it if it has a hoary name. Right, 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 right. Um, if, you know, like I do the Ms. Benefit, you know, like. Well, the- I was just going to say, if it's a benefit, right. it's a different thing. Sure. Right. But, yeah, and someone asked me to do, I forgot what it, and it was a take on the word whore or something. Oh, or yeah. And like, I was like, pussy no. party. Yeah, pussy. I just, I can't. Yeah. Uh, so you start doing stand-up. Right. 28 years old. You're still waitressing. Right. Uh, where do you go first? And what what made you do it? What made you get on stage that oh, first I was, time? Oh, I was incredibly unhappy. Mm-hmm. I was in a very, very deep, dark place. And um, I took a class. I took. I was in a bad relationship. It right. was. I was in a very bad place. Uh, I took a class, and I was so scared. In the class, it was a stand-up class called at a place called um, Manhattan Punchline. I think. Oh yeah, 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 I remember yeah, okay. that. So the class was. Um, you know, they would give assignments. Come in next week, and you know, do five minutes about your dog or whatever right, right. the fuck it was. I was so scared that I would not show up the next day. No way. Yeah, I was so scared. So there was this guy in class. We went out after class one night, and, and he was like, "Well, what do you like to do?" And I said, "Well, I do these characters, which I used to do." Right. And oh, I he love- said, "Well, how about next week in class if I just interview your different characters?" So it's like, okay, I could do that, you know, in improv and right, just right, whatever, because right. I, I would just become them in, in a certain way and without even thinking about it. And we did that. And I was getting these laughs. Right. And then all the, they all knew about these open mics. And there was this place on Carmine Street called Mostly Magic that was open mic on Tuesday nights. Yes. So I put together five minutes of just these characters. I never spoke in my own voice. Got a number. You know, you just have to get right. a number yeah, yeah, and yeah, wait yeah. online. I went on. I killed Right. Paul Herzik and Bert Levitt were there. Who owned Comedy U Grand. But they hadn't they opened hadn't it, yet. it yet. Yeah. And they came up to me afterwards and they said, we thought you were really, really great. Um, would you, we're opening up a club. Would you come work for us? And I was like, yeah, sure. I gave him my number. Never thought I'd hear anything. Mm-hmm. Months go by. I never got on stage again because I was so petrified. Oh, my God. Months go by. They call me. 
can you come down on a Sunday night and do 10 minutes? And I was like, yeah, okay. Like an idiot. Right. I didn't have 10 minutes. Right, right, and right. I didn't, I, I thought, oh, 10 minutes. What's 10 minutes? Right. Good job. Because you know, you're stupid. Right. <laughs> 10 minutes is like 10 years. Yeah, right? exactly. So I go, I write some more characters. I go, I do it. Fantastic. Can you come back on Thursday night? It's all women. Yeah, okay. I go back on the Thursday night. There's all these uh, uh, comedians there that, you know, now we know who they are, but right. I didn't know who any of them were. And I was so intimidated by them. Everything about them. They all seemed to know each other. Right. Um, how they dressed. Clicky. How they, clicky. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, um, Beverly Mickens was the MC. Right. I remember And she's her. Introdu- bringing everybody up. And she's like, this is my really good friend. Let me introduce my really good friend. Right. And, blah, blah, blah. and like, I-, I was so intimidated by all these girls. I remember who was there. Who? Uh, Leah Krinsky. Oh, yeah. Angela Scott. Yes. Beverly Mickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanda Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Smith. Yes. You yes. know, I, I remember it. It's so vivid to me. This is 1983. Right. So we're talking 33 years ago. Right. She brings okay. me on and I, I killed. Right. I then went were into. Were you so fucking scared? I was so scared. And I then went into an even deeper depression. Right. Because I was so not allowed to be this person that I was becoming. Right. Oh my God. You know, I was so not allowed to have a voice from my mother, not allowed to have a voice, to have this, to get the attention. I was never allowed to get attention. Right. It was always stop showing off, be quiet. There was never, you know, I I see how parents are, how I am with my kids. I see how parents are with their kids that like, you're so funny, you're so fat. I never got any of that. I got shut up, you know, and I, and I, so I then went into an even deeper, depression so do you think the deeper depression was guilt it was it was guilt and it was also that shame no not not shame yes shame but it was more i'm a horrible person i don't deserve to live right right right. i went into such a state of despair Mm -hmm. and i had just started my therapy at the same time my analysis um and i went into such a deep state of despair that i would are you 29? How old I was are you? 28. Oh, still. That okay. um, I, I woke up every morning and all I thought about was suicide. Right. Th- this success at stand-up threw me into a suicidal spiral. Right. Which I finally acted on, mm-hmm. not successfully as Thank we God, know. Thank God, because... Uh... Went, my parents came and picked me up. I went to their house because you know, I was in a very bad state. Did you call them? One or- yeah, my friend Jane called them, and because okay. um, I had attempted, I took all these pills, right. and then whatever she came over, I pumped my stomach, whatever. Um, and then it, what was interesting is my mother was treating me in a way that she had never treated me. She always treated me like an adversary, right? And all of a sudden, she was treating me motherly and right. kindly, oh, right? And what it's a like, mind fuck. well, it's so sad that I it had to try that. to kill myself yes. to get her to treat Do me this you- way. And I remember saying to her, Ma, you're treating me, you're treating me lovingly for the first time. Right. Why? And she said, well, because you need me. You never needed me before, which is, what of course, fuck? bullshit. How does a right. kid not need the right. But anyway, while I'm at my parents' house recovering, Bert Levitt calls. We want to give you a weekend spot. And they all told me you wouldn't get a weekend spot or get paid for right. two years. Right. So I said yes. Wow, good and for you, I said, man. but you need Jesus. to. I'm going to be out of town for a couple of weeks. I waited a couple of weeks. I went to my shrink every day. I got myself, and then I started 
all of a sudden, this was like in November 1983, right. I started getting the weekend spots. I have that. I still have framed that first twenty dollars. Oh God, I ever made. That's so great. And and I was I was. It's it's almost like I died and was resurrected a comedian. Do you? And then think? I threw myself yes. into my stand up right. and and never thought of killing myself again. Were you extremely close to your father? Uh, or did he pay a lot of attention to you? No. No. See, that, see, I would think that the reason your mother treated you as an adversary was because... I was my father's favorite. Right. But he never paid attention to anybody. He had a narcissistic disorder. Right. I had two narcissists right. raising me, you know. Right. That would be like being raised by Donald and Ted Cruz. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the narcissism in this election is fascinating oh, to watch. Oh, it's beyond. But, but... So you were your father. I was my father's I was his too. favorite, yes. Yeah. And my mother did not like that at of all. Of course. That's no, why she... did not like that at all. So... But I can't imagine that, you know? I To me, that's so foreign. I know, now that you have children. Yeah. I mean, I... It's so interesting because of all the negative crap I dealt with. I... I love you every every five minutes. I love you. You're so proud of you. Everything you do is great. You know, I am constantly well. That's that's how them. I parent. I parent, which right. is what would Zora do, and then I do the opposite. <laughs> that's my parenting technique. Yeah, what would be Zora book. do? Yeah. You know? But do you think it affected your siblings? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. In in a in in my older siblings, in a more negative way than right. me, in the sense because they just shut down. Right. They just shut down. I was a different personality. And also when you're, you know, I was the, the baby until my little sister was born. So until I was nine and a half and you kind of get lost a little bit right. sometimes when you're the younger one. Right. You know, the focus was on them. Um, the so youngest, I was just yeah. gone. I just was with my right. friends. I was out, you know, I right. come home after school, go out and play. And I was just, nobody really, I, I was benign neglect. Nobody really paid attention to me. So you start getting these weekend spots mm -hmm. um, and getting and working. Yeah, and as regularly. you know, the only way to get good is stage time. Right. And and for the first six months, all I did was work at Comedy U. I didn't work anywhere else. Oh, really? Yeah, I just worked there. I was too scared to go uptown right. to the uptown clubs to audition. This whole idea. See, if I don't know, truthfully, if Paul and Bird had not been there that night, this is the beshert part. Right. If I would have become a comic. Right. Because I don't know if I could have taken that thing of standing on line you just have to stand on line get a number go you know audition. what i can't believe that i fucking forgot that yeah that i did that it was humiliating it was humiliating yeah. i was do you think you forgot it on purpose yeah yeah mm. i think i do that she blocked a lot. it um sure. uh, i think i forget a lot of road story i yeah, yeah. horrors um and so, then i realized after about six months i realized you know what if i want to be have a career i need to expand out of this little safe little environment you know it was, right. like, it was on 13th street university you got all these nyu students and all these gay guys that was right. your, your audience it was fantastic no they they moved to 55 ground street that was later in soho that that's the later. only one i know oh, okay so here you are you're doing stand-up and i remember when i was very young and i'd come watch that you did your characters uh, but you personalized it so that it wasn't like, here's my character. Mm -hmm. It was very organic the way right. you, uh, I'd weave, right. You'd weave and you'd say, Oh, my, my, <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> right. 
can what, you the president it? of the Menudo fan club? Yeah, that one? can you do it, please, <laughs> with the answering so. machine? Oh, yeah. that one. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, he that he kept calling, and then he played the message yeah. over. What was it? Um, oh, fuck. Now, forget it. I don't want oh to do Oh, my cereal. God, it was so funny. Hi. Oh, no, you would... You had a boyfriend, right? And right. you were obsessed with him, and he kept calling, and, and you, I would try to analyze every nuance every of what nuance, he felt about me. It, I'd listen to the messages over and over right. again, you know. And he would leave messages like this. He was like, "Hello, so this is Joey. I hate this freaking ass of a machine. I'll call you later, right?" And he'd hang up. And then I would listen to it over and over and over. <laughs> and she'd do it. I would she'd just do it, do it, it over and over. Really. And over. Hey, so this is Joey. You know, <laughs> she would keep. You know, <laughs> the repetition compulsion. It's interesting because you know who I learned that from. Who? Was Gilbert the repeating, uh, the yeah. constant repeating, mm. and how hilarious it, it gets right. when you're constantly repeating to um, to a point where you want to kill him, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Your characters were. I never do them anymore. Oh, so Except Judy, funny. I did Judy, Judy. For... Yeah, and then um, <laughs> give her the receipt. She can return it. <laughs> Uh, there were so many, and then the yeah the Menudo you know what happened club? when I was this is still when I was at Comedy U. I would do these characters, and then I started realizing, okay, I have to find a voice of my own. Right, I never spoke in my own voice, mm. so I said to Bert one day, I said, "Can I MC?" Because I thought that would help me. He's like, "You can't MC. You don't. Right. You only do characters." I said, "Well, let me let me just try." Right. Good so for I you. went out there, Calm and, and it was a very safe environment yeah. there. I went out, and I would be like, you know, I say to a guy, like, you know, uh, where are you from? And he would say Texas, and I'd be like, oh. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, as you know. I think that what I'm known for is working, right. working them. It didn't come naturally to me. It was something I, I had, had to the learn. same experience because I, I started it. doing stand up uh, in the clubs. Uh, and for the first year, I would not talk to the. Everyone was like, Judy, you're really funny. You should talk. And I said, <laughs> you would just I do want, your material. Right. I want to MC. And I then I. Right. And, and you know, the other reason I wanted MC, I got more stage time. Right. I was in one place all night and all my bits when I did them had to stand on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. No, and, MCing was great, great, great practice. Uh, so you start then you pass at the comic strip. Yes. Lucian passed me. Yes. And they wouldn't pass me a catch for two years. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my God! I love Mac Weldon. What's our What's our code again? Oh, so if you go to Mac Weldon, you put discount code Kill Me twenty percent off, which makes it like a billion times like cheaper than Banana Republic and all those other. Such good quality. It is really good quality. I know. And Henry and Ben fight over the shirts. They're so snug and and nice. They just kind of like hug all around. You yeah, can definitely. You know, it's nice to air out that area. Definitely. Yeah. And they're nice and airy and breezy, supportive. I wear men's and women's underwear, and this Together? is. Together. Uh, sometimes. When I'm feeling... Oh, God. I have to go throw up. Sorry, go to Mac Weldon and use Kill Me. Did I start wearing men's underwear? You definitely want to start wearing these men's underwear. You might have, like, a mini little pocket in the front, but that's okay. What do you pocket for? Judygold.com slash Mac. So... Finally, you know what happened? Mm. Finally, it was always a creative director, but and then finally they brought Cynthia Cohen. And I said to Joy Behar, who's Well, that's know, what I wanted to get to. Well, I, said to Joy, Joy, I said to Joy, I said I met Joy Comedy U yeah. on the Thursday nights. 
uh, when I first started. But because I, so you had started, you know, being friends with these. You they accepted you into their little yes click. Well, she had just started also. Right, Joy had just started, yeah. and ha- what was the first like your first? I remember seeing her backstage. She was with Steve, her now husband. And then I watched her Can on you stage. you explain that backstage is... It was nothing. It nothing. was like a closet. Right. But I watched her on stage. And she was, you know, very, very funny. Because mm-hmm. she is. Right. And then I talked to her off stage. And she was the same. Right. And I remember thinking, oh, I get it. I just have to be like how I am with my girlfriend sitting right, around right. my kitchen table. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's how she was. She's She was the best at taking her real persona and just putting it on right. stage. And I was funny when I was with my friends. Right. But I had to just figure out how to have that. Right. It's not that easy to no. just get up there and oh, be yourself. Please. Probably harder, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It I is. mean, not, it's not now. I mean, now it's just so natural in a sense. But when right. you're first, it, when you're first trying to find, I think the hardest thing about being a comic is finding your voice. I really do. Oh, absolutely. And then having a consistent voice. True. Once you get it, you know, I don't even. I never. You never think about it anymore. It's not something I ever think about. No, I. I. Well, you know, as you know, because you all make fun of me. I still go out four nights a week, right? Because I fuck it. I love it. But you don't think about your voice as no, a comedian. You don't, I don't. It's not something conscious finding your voice. No, there. Some people it is when they're doing like that charactery thing. But well, we were I, never you know, like there that. are there is a comic uh, who we both know who does like his act as like a retarded person or uh, you right, know, right, and uh, or a slow person. When I say retarded to all the lesbians, that I'm saying he acts like. A person who is retarded. An impaired person. An impaired person, but because his jokes wouldn't be funny. Right, right. And now as he's aging. It doesn't work. It's it's like you're a fucking freak. I mean, how long can you? All right. So you meet meet Joy. Yes. You uh, are at Catch. Now, you, I remember going to Catch in college. And let's just tell the audience, Catch a Rising, Catch a Rising Star, Star does not exist anymore, but it was the premier club in First the 80s, Avenue, 77th um, Street, and there would be lines around the block every night. It was the place where everyone in the industry went, where it, it was kind of fame. I remember being on stage, I'd look out, there's David Bowie, right. there's, I mean, just, you know. Uh, and they had a band. Right. Lloyd, the bass player. And Eddie, Eddie Rabin. Rabin. Uh, Tony the drummer. Tony the drummer, and they would have. Uh, sometimes they would even have a music act come on. Yeah, like, frequently. Uh, Catherine. Yes, Catherine. Uh, uh, who Russell. I see all yeah. the time. She's brilliant backs, singer. Brilliant backs up for. Uh, this was like the Apollo. It, a little bit. For yeah, but it wasn't a theater. It, it wasn't was a, a club. theater. It was a club. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so here you are. Uh, your ad catch at its heyday, or right. the beginning of it. Um, Richard. What's his name? Owned it. Uh, oh, Richard Fields, who yes. bought it from Rick Newman. He bought it from Rick, Rick Newman, Newman. Founded it. Yeah. Right. And so, and oh God, I just I, I mean, I can imagine it so clearly in my head. Do you remember um, the doorman who died of AIDS? Oh, I loved him. Tony. So, Tony. Yeah. Oh. There was the several hospital. deaths. So did I. There yeah. were several deaths in those days. Those it was were hard awful, days. Awful. Yeah. They were, Tony that, that was, was an, oh, I just remember. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful boy. Uh, so you're, here you are, and you're emceeing. Now, right. I recall when I started out, you and Joy had been doing it two or three, four years or something. Right. And I, um, I 
would go everywhere. I would do street fairs. I would do everything. And yeah, we I, all, you had to. Right. And I, you and Joy made me laugh more than anyone and were my idols. And I would sit in the back. I remember I'd sit with And look, Eve. now you're, you're just as good as we are. Oh, <laughs> and I would, I would sit with Eve because Eve was in high school. Yeah, and Joy's I, daughter. Yeah, and I was in my early 20s. So right. she was cl- closest to my age. I felt like such a dork. But yeah. the thing that I remember about you, and I've said this to you often, was I mean, and you did MC a lot, and you emceed the the um, weekend shows, but you got a hundred bucks, right? <laughs> and I was the backup with That's, Chris Rock, yeah, so yeah. I get Chris Rock was always the there. backup. Yeah, no, and then I was. You when were, he got I know. And Lewis <laughs> would be like, "You're gonna get on. Don't worry, you're gonna yeah, get on." Yeah. He was the bartender. The he backup. Now runs let me Caroline. just explain. There was oh, they, they on the weekends. There was a set lineup, so they would always have a backup act sitting at the bar that you got twenty bucks, I think, right? 50. Oh, 50. We got bucks. the same as a spot. That in case somebody didn't show up, they had to Because I've explained on. this because we had yep. no cell phones. Right. You, no cell phones. You didn't know how to get, you know, you, there was no way to contact anyone if you were running right. late. It was probably good to see all the comics go oh, before you too as a young But comic. the thing about Susie was the way you walked on stage. Now I know now because I know you that there was a bit of... You know, you being a little frightened or not as you walked. I can see it to this day um, from that sound booth. Yeah. By the two chairs. Remember those two big chairs? Yeah. yeah. And you would walk on with such confidence and grab that mic and immediately not only disarm them, but made that you made it like don't fuck with me because i'm not well, i had yeah. to right because but i was taught small. me right you were you small. know and but look i'm six three i know but and i was waiting for them to call me bigfoot i was so also I a to, woman yeah. right and also even male comics go through this stuff mm-hmm. i mean you know it's scary to walk up there so i would go into a place mm-hmm. you know i would go into my performance head and I knew the minute I grabbed that mic, you have to get them. An audience smells fear so quickly, yeah. so quickly. And you have to take care of them. Right. You have to immediately be in charge so they could relax. Right. And when you're in charge, they're relaxed. Right. And then they'll laugh. So you and... and but that jo- was something I, I learned. You know, that was well, trial I, and you error. you taught me. I you really me. always loved that, too, about your presence on stage. You just immediately it make was, the audience feel comfortable and like they're in yeah. the right place and you're in charge. I learned that from a lot, from just... And, you know, your, no, and your notes. My notes. Because like, I have no, I have my little cards, but yours were always so fucking neat. <laughs> and mine were like, I had shit written all over and I had coffee stains on them. And uh, yours okay. were always, you had a little, you had this, and you'd fold it up and you'd open it. And it was the tiny little writing and perfect That's writing. That's because I grew up in chaos. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you and Joy. Okay. Yeah. Now. Uh, Can I tell you what I learned from Joy? Because we brought this up. Yeah. Having had a very competitive mother, hmm. Joy taught me do not compete with other women. Right. Sisterhood is powerful. There's room for everybody. And it was a lesson I really had to learn because when you have a competitive mother, that's right. your default position. You know, right. you don't know anything sure. else. Plus, there's no spots for women. 
Right, right. You and, taught and me that. And there was a lot no. of women that were that were not particularly nice to me when I came up. Right, wow. and you you were very helpful. I mean, I have to say, because Judy, you were always funny. I never had time for the non funny ones. Right, hmm. but you were. I mean, in my deepest, darkest crises uh, and my depression and my you. You don't. You have no idea how much you've helped me in my life. Well, I'm happy that's the case. Okay, so back to you. So Cynthia Co. Yes. is is now Richard Fields, who's putting this club up his nose. Right. Uh, hires a Cynthia Co. to run. Right. Where Where is she? She lives in in uh, um, Northern California somewhere. You know, I love these people that that had such power over my life and now we're and now they're like and i just and you feel like a lesson there but it's also a lesson like because when i was i did a uh a comedy festival and in boston a year ago two years ago and eddie brill who had you know had had this article come out about how because he had booked letterman and hadn't had a woman on and um there were some people in the audience who had auditioned for him women who said you know i auditioned for you and you told me i'm never going to be on tv or i'm never and I, you know i'm on this panel i said eddie you have a job i'm sure it's coming from higher ups who's supposed to be on i said but you have to realize what you say to these comics mm. is with them for Forever. the rest mm, you yeah. know and I that was never on letterman we oh, I was never, never. On letterman. there's no way been, yeah. we we have the self so Cynthia Co takes over, and then and I think it's it's important that it was a woman, right. even though there have been men who've been very good to me right. in this business, like Lucian, right. like Rick Newman, like right. people like that. Mm. But but Cynthia Breath. took over, and I yeah. remember I said to Joy, "I'm just going to pretend that I passed and not even go through this process because right. I was working all over by that time. Right, I was working down at Green Street. Everyone every Saturday knew you, night. yes, and I did. I just put my name in, and she." you know, really liked me and started giving me spots and started letting me MC, which was uh, the, the, the MCing put me into the next place creatively where well, I had to go. And the other thing is when I, when I would go in, when I was in college, uh, you know, Belzer was the MC. Right. Right. And you, that was, he was the show, you right, know, people right. don't realize that originally the MC at catch not every at club. catch was the show right. and it was so important and you realize like people you're setting the tone right and clubs don't realize we're gonna yeah. get our stupid little you know they make the the the, the least fun right. of the MC when it should be see I always thought when I was MCing that it would be like all right this is my party and I'm bringing up my friends right. my special guests right. that's exactly and you're all coming yeah you then get Ha- you then get cast as Sally Fields' coach. Oh yeah, in, in Punchline, punch right? Which, mm-hmm. to me, I mean, I already was like, "Oh my God, Susie S. <laughs> you know, but it was a big deal at the it time. It was a very big deal. This this they movie flew me out to L.A. Right, I'm with Sally every day at her house at her Oscars. Did you? Did you? Were? <laughs> did you feel I don't deserve this at the time? Did you feel no? I'm lucky. Did you feel? What did you feel? Because I would have been like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, I it, it was kind of easy because I'm helping her. I had no risk factor. I'm not on camera. I was behind the scenes. It, you know, after you do stand-up, anything's easy. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Amen. So I, I kind of, I was like really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on a movie set every day. And, you know. It I, was a big fucking yeah, deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. And, but 
they had cast all these comics in the movie. Right. Max, I wasn't yeah. one of them. Right. But everyone knew you were the prototype for Sally Field. But and she had seen you, right? Did, right. Who picked yeah, you? She, she picked did. you. Yeah, she did. That's pretty Are you incredible. still in touch with her? No, but I uh, actually I saw her recently. It's, I mean I I right. have a nice relationship with her. But you know, there's so many things that happen. I mean, I don't have to tell you, Judy. I mean, so, uh, I remember at, at one point in the mid 90s. This was 1986 that that happened. Yes. And I remember one point in the mid 90s just feeling like how much funnier do I have to be? I, I don't even know. I, I, I can't. How much? Oh, please. Kill, kill, kill. Every and night. Nothing's happening. To the point where nothing's people wouldn't fo- want to follow you. Yeah, exactly. And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Right. I'm not making enough money. Right. I remember I did VH1 stand-up spotlight and Ray Romano didn't want to follow me. Right. And they had to move me. Right. Um, right. And I and don't it blame was like, And I was like. Well, if but I'm nothing good happened. Enough, but nothing happened. But nothing, you know. Right. I mean, but the, the, this happened, and that. I, I'm but, not complaining about my career. I've had an amazing career. Right. But it's no, nowhere remember, big as other people's uh, careers. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you then you you get stuff. You are very popular. You have a boyfriend. It's not a great relationship. Right. You're living across the street from Stand Up New York. Oh, that was later. That was in 1989. I moved there. Right. Uh, and I used to, <laughs> oh, and then I got, no, then I got the, uh, women of the night on That's HBO. right. You got HBO half hour women of the night, which right. was the one place HBO would put women on right. a show it was about all, it was five women. It, it was, was Paula. It was me, joy, Liz Winstead, Diane Ford, and, uh, this other girl that Car- Carla, somebody that I forgot her last okay. name. Uh, and you do that. Right. Which was fantastic yeah but you and you only do like 12 minutes yeah, yeah. uh and then so good. you never really went on the road no you hated the road yeah uh you stayed in the city and then i made a living doing like every jewish country club right in the tri-state every area. jewish and, and then the, the voiceovers ruth, ruth, and this, uh, and ruth stern uh, ruth stern <gasps> Ruth, Ruth stern now ruth stern used to book all the country clubs, country clubs. and oh, really? uh every time uh, so Susie, when she was done with one, she would always say, you know, you should hire Judy Gold. And she would call me up and, you know, Susie would get big bucks. Not big, not in those now, days. Well. Get like 300 bucks or well, something. Well, you, and then uh, I would say, Susie would say, ask for this. And so I'd ask her for the same money as Susie. And she goes, well, I called the club and I mentioned your name and they said, who? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, she, what she used to do all oh, the time. Was, you know what the last brat. thing I ever said to her? What? Go fuck yourself nice. before she died. <laughs> Good. The last thing I ever do said Do you feel to guilty? Her. No, not at all. Right. And she Paul, was a, yeah. a horrible human being. Uh, I um, want you to so say that to me before Here we go, because you're, you're, you know, you, you moved to, I remember you had the boyfriend and you were across the street right. and I used to. You know, um, the the leopard who has to do eighty spots a night. And I used to go in between <laughs> spots and hang out at my apartment and sit with her. That's cool. And your dog. That's cool. Uh, and you'd be like, "What? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it's uh, you have to do five spots. You can't do two. Well, but, anyway. but, but we used to do all these spots because that right. was our living on the right. on the weekends. You could not unless you went we're on make, the road. We're making fifty bucks a, a you had a to show. do eight spots, right? And yeah. then a hundred bucks if you emceed. Right. So sometimes I just emcee three shows a night at catch. Right. That would be three hundred bucks. It was my right. rent. Right. Wow. You know, um, you, you guys were up more than any of the men. Right. Uh, yeah. No, the men did that too. The guys mm-hmm. did that. The guys would run around doing spots, 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 spots. Yeah, they mm. would. 
Um, and then they would go on the road. Okay. But so- here's here's the interesting thing. You know, Ruth Stern, you bring that lovely lady up. She got me involved with the Friars Club. I'm just getting okay. to that. We're, who, by the way, I, know, I will I'm have gonna nothing say- to do with them anymore. Really? Yeah, because they named the club after Jerry Lewis, who right. says no women are funny. And I think it's completely disrespectful to women. Oh, well, you you do. I joined the Friars Club. Friars Club through her in 89. Right. You were a member. Maybe uh, 88 or something. Yeah. yeah. You were one of the f- first. Uh, Joy. Well, they didn't have women until no, 1985 yeah. or right. 6 or something. Um, and your career goes, you have, um, you're doing well. You're yeah. making a living. But people, people know living, you. Not right. Money. You're not like, so you break up with your boyfriend. Yeah. Um, Which boyfriend this was? You had the long, what's his name? He was tall. Oh, yeah, yeah. The okay. Irish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you, you're doing your thing. You're doing, uh, you had a development deal or you didn't? No, I never, I never had a development, had a development deal. deal. Every Shiksa girl. Yeah. And every guy had a development deal. I mean, like people who were just like. You know, here's yeah. the interesting thing about that, Judy. You know, when you look at, like, I remember. At that time, the nanny was on. Yes, and it was extremely popular. Right. Mm-hmm. So you would think, because they never have an original mm-hmm. idea, they think, okay, New York Jewish girl, really successful show. Let's find another right. one to right, develop right, right. a show with. No, because they thought it was an aberration. Right, right. So that's so frustrating. I and yet they keep you guys. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but then they keep you for. The character actors and the character roles and the right. bit That's roles, which is fine, which, which is fine. But they're I, usually the most memorable. I right. mean, to be honest, and it's it isn't fair. But and, but the sad part is, I mean, Susie's lucky. She's attractive. Mm-hmm. She's short. I mean, I did. Ha- I do to this day. It's like you know what? You're really She's funny. A six foot three lesbian. Yeah. So, but you're attractive and tall. I know, yeah, but you're it's, very attractive, Judy. I always hate that you say you're not because you've always been so pretty. Oh, yeah. I love you. I mean, I'm just big. All right, so you're large. Uh, fast forward, you. I can't um, wait for the picture after the show. You are. I, I don't know which one. I you okay? Get so, into the Friars Club, okay. and then you start doing these roasts. Okay, but you do the roasts, and you do all these kinds of benefits for them, right? And you really have to make your bones because there's these old starkers there. You, you Alan Kings, and they don't right. think women are funny right. at all. And, you know, I was cute and pretty. They especially don't think you're funny. Well, he actually was the one who told me to quit Rosie and that I was really funny and I should do stand-up. I think because I was so... Well, no, he eventually thought I was funny. Right. I had to prove myself. Right, you did, so, yeah. So I had to go, I had to do all these shows and prove myself. And a lot of them were horrible setups right. and venues, and which is, by the way, right. such an important thing. The venue and how it's set up and the oh, mic please. and the and lights. And if you're and going the, to them, yeah, then well, it's... The, whatever. If, if they hire you to come to them, they're the worst audience exactly. if they come to you. Yeah. So, so. Um, so I make my bones with them and I because I did what I really believe. I just kept showing up and showing up and showing up and doing good work. So now comes 19... Uh, no, 2000. Right. And they're doing the uh, Jerry By Stiller. the way, which is how Joy got the view. Showing up to, to some to, benefit, to some Milton Berle benefit. That you the guys Barbara taught Walters me that. Yeah. So, um, so they, they're doing the Friars Roast to Jerry Stiller on Comedy Central. Jean Pierre Troubeau, lovely man who runs the Friars Club, puts my name and he wants me to be on because I'm one of theirs. I did right. so much for them right. and blah, and I was funny. Right. Comedy Central rejects me. Right. Didn't want me. Too New York, too Jewish, too female, whatever. Right. I was not their demographic. They fought for me. 
Friars Clubs fought to have me right. on because I had done several roasts where I had done really well. And roasts are hard. Horrible. You have to prepare. And there's nerve wracking. I mean, nerve wracking. You have to prepare. You have to prepare really well. You have to have jokes, which I'm never, I'm not joking. Right, right. You know, it's not my style. And you're throwing out jokes as someone else as is someone doing else your is on, thing you know, before you. Yeah. It, it, uh, all right, whatever. So they fought for me. Comedy Central finally said, okay, fine. I guess they figured they could cut me out. Right. I prepared really, really. Larry. I worked yeah. my ass off on that roast. Right. I then got laryngitis because I was so nervous. Right. I completely oh, lost wow. my right. voice. Completely lost my voice. Right. I remember that day I'm on the dais sitting next to Danny Aiello who wouldn't right. shut up talking right. to me and nothing is – I'm opening my mouth. Nothing is right. coming out. I was I was a wreck. Psychological like, show. It was. So – and it was televised. Right. I do my spot. Killed. Killed. And nobody yep. did well except for Jeff Ross and me on right. that. It was a hard roast. Yes. And um, Larry David happens to see it and has this idea for this character of Jeff's wife right. in this new show that he's doing. Mm. Calls me up one day. I hadn't seen him in 10 years. He moved right. to L.A. I knew right. him from Catch a Rising Star. Right. Susie, hi, it's L.D. It's <laughs> like, oh, hi, Larry. What's up? What are you doing? I'm doing this new show. Uh, I got a part for you. You play Jeff Garland's wife. I, I want you to do it. I said, well, what's the part? Don't worry about it. You could do the part in your sleep. I said, well, send me the script. There's no script. There's no script. It's all improvised. Uh, well, how's that? Or what, what's the money? There's no money at all. You're going to have to fly yourself out, put yourself up. And I was like, look, Larry, I don't mind doing for no money. He had already been a huge right, success right. On, on Seinfeld because right. I knew he was brilliant and I loved right. him. I said, but you're going to have to find something in the budget to fly. And this was already after he had made hundreds of millions, millions of dollars. Yeah. I said, you're going to have to find some you money to fly me out yeah. and put me up. Get a call a couple of days later from the casting director. Okay, they'll fly you out, coach. Uh, and they'll put you in some shithole. Right. <laughs> and I did it. I made day scale. Mm-hmm. I made day scale for the first three seasons, right? Which meant that I made about, depending on how many episodes I was in, was maybe that seven, eight hundred dollars a day, six, six, six something. Yeah. So maybe you know, maybe first season I made maybe twenty five hundred bucks. Right. Second season about the same. Third season, but you're starting to get stand up gigs. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because exactly. your profile goes up, right. and you meet the love of your life. Well, that Jimmy. was much later. No, no, that was 2003. So, yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. And then you meet Jimmy. And your whole life changed. Changed. Right. Like that. And, and you know. Be- because I became a mother of four teenagers. Right. But you also. And you kept I remember up. you also yeah. have always said, I'm the luckiest person. I mean, if Larry hadn't called me, God only knows. Well, it's true. I don't. And, you know, Joy says you would have gotten something else. I don't know if that's true. Well, tell Joy, uh, well, Judy yeah, Gold. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I have said that. You have? Yes. And what does she say? Well, you're right. You know. <laughs> the God, I want to kill myself. Uh, but, too- but Judy, you've had an amazing career. I also. have. You, you know, still sometimes, are. Sometimes I just think, and I don't want to sound like sappy and Pollyanna, but I really think sometimes I've made this career just making people laugh. Right. I've done this for 33 years, just making people laugh. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I know. And I've brought up kids. Like, I... Right. Make You've a- raised your children. You, you're going you're gonna to eventually have put two kids through college right. and launched them on lives of their own, mm-hmm. making people laugh. And it's they're going to fucking take care of me. What and time my is ass. it? No, wait. <laughs> wait. It's 2.20. Okay. I have okay. This is what I really can't wait. So then you're all right. So you're popular. You're you're getting all these amazingly 
great stand-up gigs. You get right. a great manager, agent. 2005, you do the roast for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was which was not televised. Which was not televised. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike, you want to know my opening line? It was a luncheon. Right. And then there was the roast. Oh, yes. And I said, Donald, I hear your hair ordered the salmon. Right. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite lines. I know. It's so <laughs> fun. I, I did a roast at the last minute. Uh, Jeff calls me because someone dropped out. It was literally two days before the Rob Reiner. I'm like, no, no, no. He's like, just do your material. Just do your material. And worst mistake I ever made. It was. Yeah, I'll never do a roast again. Right. But also, don't tell me two days before. Right. Because it needs needs work. Right. And but I did one roast in the club that wasn't televised. Right. For um, uh What's his name? You know, uh, Big Pussy. What the fuck? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Pussy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was so fun. Because right. it's not tell. Like well, these roasts you. now. It's, they shouldn't be tell. No. Then I did that Bob Saget one, which was horrible. And right. I'll never do another one. But the, the, the even though televised, I love Saget. Yeah, I love him. But the televised roasts. It's are not now, what it should it's, be. It's, it's, that's not what it They're is. And mean. people used to, you look at the old ones. They knew each other. Everyone right, knew each other's right. inside jokes. It was like when we were talking before. The comic can always say something right. to a comic. This is, it, it's ruined it. And the other thing about the televised roast that I found, I remember when I did that Saget one, I remember it was so annoying to me that I was the, I was one of the only women there, I mm-hmm. think. And all these male comics, the only jokes that they could make to women are either that you're old or that you have a smelly vagina. Right. You know, and believe me, none of them have been near my vagina. Right. They don't know whether it smells or not. Right. So, you know, or I'm going to fuck you with B. Arthur's exactly, dick. Right, yeah. right. It's like this. It's all they could talk about. Right. And uh, it's just like, really? And I, I have to right. sit here and listen to this, to this demeaning shit. shit it's the, only, the only man who's been inside of Judy is her son. I mean, it's yeah, been yeah. like fucking. Vincent Pastore. Vinny Pastore, yeah. 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 So That's now that we are in this awful situation in the United States of America where a demagogue narcissist i mean this guy and yet it's all marketing when you think about his you know make america great it's a you don't remember anyone else's little line except for his that's what he does so here you are what what was he like when you were, you know? He was surprisingly gracious, right. I have to say. I didn't like him, but he was mm-hmm. surprisingly gracious. And I and I didn't think, because he had had that whole thing with Rosie, you know, that whole... Oh, gosh, but, where he, And very sensitive, if you say anything negative about him. But I think he got what a roast was. Right. And he got that he needed to laugh and be gracious. I had no... I was surprised at how gracious he was. Right. Um, but then he wasn't running for president then. Right, he was right, just right. this guy we were roasting. It was right. who had the apprentice or you know, right. I've never seen the show. I don't know it. So you do the curb for how many seasons? Eight seasons. Eight seasons. Uh and you start to make a lift make a right. really good living. Right, right. And you are there. But you I have, have to, to realize, say- Judy, it took the first five seasons right. of Curb combined. I made less than a hundred thousand right, right. dollars. You know, so I was not but making that living until the last three seasons. Right, but then, but you were. I mean, but I was the making exposure. Living, right, exactly. You were Stand getting up. the exposure you deserved. Right, yes. you yeah. are so smart with money, and you start getting an apartment. Right, bought an apartment. You buy an apartment. <clears throat> you fix it up. Sold it. Move. Yeah, good for you. And you've done that several times. Yeah, your husband, who is by 
I'm just going to say a little bit about Jim. Judy has a crush on him. He's so handsome. (laughs) He's so charming. He's smart. He's, I I don't know. The guy is. He's real. He's a real. He's authentic. And, you you know, you you and the fact that. He's with one of the strongest women I know. Well, he's not insecure. You can't right. be an he's insecure just, guy. And he's just like, when he talks to you, he, like he's talking to you. Yeah, like, that's nice. And you think, when he says, how are you? think he really gives a shit how you are. I mean, he does. He doesn't have a phony bone in his is. body. And the fact that he had these four kids that he was raising. Uh, I mean, he's lucky too. Look at what you did with those kids. Mm. Um, but all of this, when we you think about it, your life is sort of a fairy tale at this point. And yet, I don't know about a fairy tale, but, but it's yet, good. It's good. good. And it's yet good. there's still which I, you know, uh, I I, I got to work. I got you know you're yeah. you're always Well, I still don't have the money. I can't retire. Right. You know, I mean, we know all these people that made so much mm. money. Mm-hmm. Not that I'd want to retire. Right. But you, know, you don't ever want to have to work. But I, I still have financial worries that I wish that I didn't have. Okay, why don't you come and look at my bank account? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, kids me. are expensive. Raising kids is expensive. Can I tell you how much money I would have if I didn't have children? A lot. But then you wouldn't have children. But then I would be a miserable. So what's the point? And then, you know. Um, Judy but accidentally be- got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but before you had children. Yeah. You had no desire to have children. None, I mean, you none were whatsoever. such a like, eh, just my pets. and a- Yeah. And none. then your transformation from non-mother to mother. I mean, you then became, I became total that mother. woman. I know. I became soccer mom. Right. Cool. And I was like, oh, what, oh, what happened to Miss? I hate kids. I hate no, kids. No, I never said I hated well, kids. Well, you were like, I don't want it. I want my I life. I didn't want them. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It all worked out because I, you know, little kids, right. I, I don't know if I could have dealt with it. If he mm-hmm. had little kids, they were 10. When I first met Jimmy, they were 10, 12, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. You know, not good ages. Not good ages. Those teen years. That's those teen, And three girls. You know, to have three teenage girls living in a house, it was really, right. really hard. But now, it's what's so nice is now they're all grown up. They're all out oh, of the house. Oh, they're so beautiful. We have empty nests. I have good relationships with them. Did they? Was there That's a resistance great. to you initially? I feel like you'd be the coolest no, stepmom. There wasn't though. a resistance no, she, to me. But you know what? She's very. I'm very strict. Strict. Um, there was not. There was not a resistance to me in the sense that um, there might have been. I never felt it mm-hmm. because I knew what it was like to have your mother be competitive with you. Sure. So I made really sure that I never did that to them because I know from being a parent that. You never went through that. This one hates me and won't talk. I mean, I have so oh, yes, many. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Not, not to the extent where it goes on for years. I mean, I've no, had friends. But I've, I've had it. I've had it. I, I've gone through bad times right. with them. But here's the gratifying thing: mm-hmm. that two of my girls recently, individually, said to me because I was very strict with them because I, they were in a very chaotic situation. I realized that they need boundaries. Absolutely. I looked at them right. and I saw myself and how I grew up and I, I just felt like they need boundaries. They need consistency. They yeah. need, you know, and I didn't enjoy being that person, but I knew that's what they needed. Right. And it, two of them said to me recently, you were right all along. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you Uh-oh. live for, I right? My kids don't. All right. You're you a great mother, for. Jude. Oh, You're an incredible mom. You. you are. You're a loving, involved, 
caring mother. You them. see them for who they are. Yeah. You accept them for who they are. You let them be who they are. And right. you you are honest about who you are with them. Right. That's huge. Oh. Uh, so here you are now. You've got a house. Yeah. Beautiful that I haven't been to. You're I really want, Can I come up? Of course. Can I sleep over? Of course. We have a guest house. All right. Um, you have your you, own bathroom. Oh, perfect. You have uh, a husband. You have yeah. four kids. Yeah. You have a little place here. Pied-a-terre. You're still tiny. Um, <laughs> you're Fatter beautiful. Be. You look amazing. Ridiculous. Um, All I'm right. Not- I'm coming on this show every yeah. week. <laughs> you should. <laughs> what else is there? It, it, besides well, I, I, I'll tell besides you, I'm, not I'll having tell you to worry struggling. about money. I'll tell you what I'm struggling yeah. with right now. I'm 60. Get and it's unfucking believable. I'm 60. And I feel like, I would, okay, what am I going to do for the next 35 years of my life? Right. Because people live in my family. Right. So it's not a, it's just something on my mind right now. What am I going to do for the next 30 years of my life? I still want to be challenged creatively. Oh, yeah. I still want to do interesting, fun things. I'm not playing shuffleboard. Right. I'm not moving to Boca. That's what I, yeah. you know, so. You're so, not aging yourself. And so you're now, not in love with doing stand-up. I'm not in love with doing stand-up anymore. I, you know, I, I still get some gratification from doing it when, right. I, when I do it. So I'm in a struggle right now creatively that I've been working on. Um, yeah, I went back to my old therapist. I know to, to talk to her about. You've helped it. me a lot with that, and to yeah. see, you know, so so that's my struggle right now. It's a good place to be. These are high class problems to have. Right. Like they're good problems, but I kind of feel like, you know, it, it, there, there's this idea that you you retire or you grow old or something. Mm-hmm. But no, you have to be creatively. Oh, viable. that's a choice. And but I know so many people that are older and creative and interesting and. You know, so I'm taking this writing workshop mm-hmm. now. I just got a ukulele that I'm going to teach oh, myself how to awesome. play. I just like I want to figure out what I want to do. I still have to do things to make money. Um, but, you know, I can't just sit around and wait for somebody to give me a part. Oh, you should no. teach a class. I teach. At ESPA or you something. Would. You I don't know if I want to teach. No, uh, it's the most gratifying really? thing. Really? I, I was I shit in my pants before. I, I can't tell you how amazing at it just do that's how I i'll met. hook you up and you'll do just do a master class okay and then you'll fucking I'd so fall in love with teaching and you'll come once a week you'll go to your pivote and you meet me, me i'm telling you it's so gratifying um what we ask everyone this but i also think that one of the things that 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 women that this is a very well-kept secret mm-hmm. That post menopause, mm. once you get over whatever bullshit you have, flashes, whatever, mm-hmm. that uh, it's a it's really a really good time in mm-hmm. your life because you reach this point where you're you you're not you know it's like I used to cry every fucking uh-huh. day. Uh-huh. I used to be so emotional. I know, and My you used to tell me to so go wacky. cry. Yeah, my hormones were so. It's not there anymore. Right. You know, it's it's just you you get into this kind of latency period, which is very comfortable and very easy. Well, you're no longer a baby machine. You're no longer a sex op. You're just like a human being. Right. And you were never, and your dick never was your... You know, your right. dick wasn't. It's your a power nice play. period. This, this. I'm right. looking forward to the '60s, '70s, '80s. Right. '90s, not so much. No. Uh, what pisses you off? I, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me last night, which was one of the biggest. And then we have to wrap. I know. Well, I have to ask you the last two questions. Okay. What pisses me? First off? of all, I last night I was on stage. I swear to God, I've never done this. There was a, a girl in the front row. The seat next to her was empty. Someone was in the bathroom. 
and uh, she's drinking a beer. And the way her sweater was, I asked her if she was pregnant and she wasn't. Yeah. And I've never done that. I've done it. It, I, the whole, I can't, like I was on stage you the whole mortified. time. Mortified. You were mortified. You are a and dude. I, I know. And I kept saying, <laughs> to, I, and every time I did something, don't think, I'm not thinking about this, that, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm not, yeah. if whatever you think of me, yeah. it's worse in yeah, here, yeah. going, you fucking yeah. idiot, you fuck. Yeah. And I felt so bad. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, one, one oh. night years and years ago, I'm on stage at Catch a Rising Star, and this guy has his back to me, mm-hmm. and I just laced into him, mm-hmm. you know, the rudeness. Turns out he was blind. blind. Oh, you know, then all of a sudden that. I noticed a dog sitting yeah, on the floor. Yeah, I had one and with the glasses like, all right, in fuck the cave. me. Right. Now you got to get them back, because now I'm the bad guy. Right. So the only way to do it is to turn, turn yourself, yourself in. Turn yourself in. You have right. to turn yourself in. What, uh, but pisses, what pisses you off? Me off? Like, I get really pissed off about things, um... Incompetence, incompetence, uh, uh, custom, bad customer service. Customer service. Oh, we want to do a whole show on oh, customer, customer, customer service. service. But what really pisses me off is rudeness. Mm-hmm. Now I'm that old fucking lady, right? You know, rudeness, uh, obliviousness. You know, you're out in the world and people are, are oblivious. I'm at yeah. a restaurant the other Jim, Jimmy and I are at a restaurant in right. the city, and there's this young, youngish woman, probably in her early twenties. Oh, the worst. And she's talking to an older woman. Might have been her mother. Might right. have been an aunt. She's talking so loud oh, right. with that? no concept that there are other, other people, people yeah. around her who are trying to enjoy. You know, and I'm talking like this and having right. a conversation with my husband because I don't want anybody to hear me. Right. But that obliviousness pisses me off. Get the fuck out of my way. Right. Know that there are other people. Have thoughtful consideration for other people. Right. And if you're that loud talker's friend... Tell them say to something. Shush. Shut the fuck up. Have a have a code word. That I have code annoys words me. With my loud friends, I say, put your mittens on. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the new wave of female comics? Because I was I'm reading oh, Outliers, and and I feel like you know we were born at, at a certain time, and and we sort of paved this way yes yes and now this new sort of feminism where uh being a feminist means i could do exactly what guys do when right it's like i don't want to be a guy right right uh, but, but, but you know i'm I, happy for theirs i am but so Judy, happy we were we were we were doing all this shit before they right. were born right you know what i mean um Look, you know what? There's a zeitgeist out there, mm-hmm. and everybody is of their time and place. Right. And I, I can't be bitter that it wasn't my time and place when I was doing it. I right, it just no, no, wasn't. No. I think but it was your time and place. Yeah, but it wasn't in the same in the in the same kind of a right. way. Well, you guys are going to be considered legends forever for long after you're gone. I mean, forever. You're, you two are legends. Well, and I let's think hope, a lot of let's the hope younger, it's appreciated. I, yes. You know what? I, I meet a lot of the younger uh, female comedians and, and male comedians, and there is a respect and a reverence for you guys. Well, you know, you said something interesting, Hennessy. The, the younger male comedians are much more respectful than the guys our age. Right. And that's a generational thing right. also. Yeah, you know, I so true. get that. And I think they're more respectful to their female peers because they saw really funny women like right. us. Exactly. When and they were little when kids. They were, and never thought, oh, women can't be funny right. like the guys that we grew up with. Right. And the lineups are, are including more and more women. It's right. great. And it's, it's great. because of you guys. And I think the younger generation, a lot of them at least, uh, the ones I surround myself with, do know that. And it do is nice to be. Pre- I just did a club 
in Bloomington, Indiana, called the Comedy Attic, where if you ever want to work out material, I th- I was scared. It's right on the campus of IU. The guy is such a purist. He won't even sell real alcohol. He only sells beer and wine. Right. And the audiences are amazing. And when I called him, and all my promos in the the newspaper were like. Special event. I'm like, right. What? No, you are you know, special legendary, event. blah, blah. And I called him when I got to town to say, hi, I'm here. And I'll, what time should I be at the club? He's like, I, I, can't, I can't believe I'm talking to you. You're one of the reasons that I love stand up. Uh, and, uh, and, and so he made a club for, it is re- literally one of the best clubs I've ever worked He's at. He's a true fan. He's he, a true but comedy. He's a comic fan. He's a uh, but you okay. know, can I just say one other thing? There's still such a long way to go. Oh, please. I yes. mean, Samantha B, God bless her. Oh. I think she's and fantastic. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. She's smart. She's funny. Yes. But the only woman in right. late night. I mean, right. there's still a really right. long way to go. You know, Broad City, which I'm a, I'm a recurring yeah. character. I love these girls. I they're love fantastic. Them. Yes. They're they're funny. They're yeah. out there. They're real. They're, they're authentic. Uh, but again, they're they're not they don't still don't get the same kind of accolades as right. as some of these other guys do. So there's still a long way to go, and, mm-hmm. and the fight is still happening. Um, I, I want you to come back because I really want to talk about social media and how that's changed our lives. And I just love you from the bottom of and my can heart. Can we talk more about Hennessy's? Yes, uh, and we'll do a whole thing. Issue. I will bring and we'll bring someone out. We'll bring another person. All right, All right but I gotta but, go. I know, and I love I, you. I love you, but you have to answer our final question. What? Are you on? Do you take any antidepressants? No, I don't. Oh, I can't. We, we got to do this poll. It's unbelievable. It, in the beginning, everyone was like, "All right, I did. Now I don't." I. Did. It's unbelievable how many people don't now. Yeah, and I'm I on drink. so many. Yes, I know. We like it. Didn't we have you, a? Didn't we have another question that we incorporated? Oh, do do you have any tattoos? No. All right. Yeah, the tattoos. I know. I can't. I, I can't. My, and my girls all have them. And that, that's Juliana, two out of right. them. And it's just like, it's permanent. Right. <laughs> and it's all over your fucking earth. Susan, <laughs> I love you, you so cute. much. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being like on. on this is a very special episode of Kill Me Now. Thank you all for listening. Susie Essman, my favorite. You can see she's on Twitter at Susie Essman. At but Susie. she doesn't. Absolutely. She does. She I never tweets. Uh, I love you. Thank you. One of my heroes, ladies and gentlemen, Susie Esmond. Thank you for listening. My name's Judy Gold, at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y. This is Hennessy. We love you. Thank you for listening. So long! And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.